the second and final scrimmage of preseason is done, and so for that matter is uh, the preseason itself, almost. Here we are, a week before the week, as Mississippi State tightens up its focus, trims the practiced roster, and gets ready to kick it all off now in less than two weeks. September 3rd is looming, and where are the Bulldogs as they get ready for this new season? Let's talk about it here in the Doghouse on the Believe Network. This is another edition of the Doghouse, a preseason edition, and brought to you by our sponsor, Bet Online, where the game starts. The Doghouse is not only available here, but on TuneIn as well, which is now carrying Believe Radio and Believe Football, either as a download or in rotation with other college shows. And we should soon, if we aren't already, on SiriusXM, and let me inject here that the uh, four-letter network's alleged college sports channel has some truly bad shows. Rant over. Uh, we're also on Stadium, Bally Sports, and Sports Map Radio. I'm not trying to send anyone away from this side, of course. And itself, we should have some news in coming weeks about plans for GenesPage.com as well. Still, it's nice for you, the Doghouse fan, to have the added access, especially as we talk about Bulldog football getting ready for the 2022 campaign, Mike Leach's third in Startwell. So what do we think after watching that scrimmage? Well, for one thing, uh, it was nice to see a good crowd. I would guesstimate it as something like 2,000 turning out for FanFest yesterday. You know, FanFest, let's detour just a little bit and talk about that. I thought it was a good idea. Um, some questioned it, and I can understand that why, because you've got a home game coming up on the 3rd, so you're asking people to show up on um, two weeks ahead for an afternoon with kind of iffy weather there, school just starting. Uh, but still, look like I, I'm guesstimating, again, about 2,000 were there in the stands, more outside in the fan fest. Certainly the kids were having a good time with all the jump houses and other stuff in the junction. Uh, and if anyone wonders why there's not going to be the regular type fan day, well, guess what? Name, image, likeness. Yeah, folks, NIL is going to change a lot more than you would expect about how athletes interact with the public in years to come. Besides that, though, I was there not to do any bounce house stuff, although it might have been a nice change of pace. Nope, I was there to cover the second scrimmage. And, by the way, it will be the last practice we have to cover in person of this camp, we understand. Have not gotten the schedule for this coming week, but as we understand it, nothing on this Sunday, probably nothing on Monday, maybe some post-practice availabilities this week, but actual observation of camp is over. I'm not complaining. You know, I did an Atlanta radio show this uh, past week, and the host was actually rather surprised to uh, learn of our access up to now, as in from the starting day on August 5th right up through Saturday, we've been able to watch all the practices, all the scrimmages, unless they went indoors, and as time went on, they even let us go inside Palmero and watch from a safe distance as well. Mike Leach is just not all that concerned about folk watching his team practice insert your own opinions why but for me it simply means he's confident enough to ignore the outside observation at least during the training camp weeks and now that game time is approaching and game plan practicing with it well the curtain is going to be drawn literally or figuratively no complaints here the lineup scene reasonably set right guard being the one real offensive question and defensive help the other yeah, about the only reason you'd want to go watch practice from now on is just to see who is and who isn't practicing. Or are they in injury yellow jerseys uh, 
which by itself hasn't meant a whole lot because, uh, for one example, safety Dylan Lawrence has been wearing a yellow shirt quite a while, but he's been practicing as if nothing's going wrong. He's certainly been hitting people as if nothing was wrong with him. <laughs> says a lot about the guy's mentality there at the position. Let's get to the obvious ones. Um, Jaden Crumity has been out since Monday. I happened to see him leaving. That that was a practice forced indoors by a lightning alert. We've had a lot of that this August. Not a ton of rain, but a whole lot of lightning alerts within the 10-mile limit set by the campus. He exited uh, for no obvious reason. He has not been at practice since, and we don't know anything official. So take this for exactly what it's worth. We understand it's probably a wrist condition at this point. Uh, what that means for his status for opening day is very much up in the air. Now, in this modern era of uh, cell phones and text messaging and social media, I guarantee if Jaden Cromedy shows up for classes with any kind of brace or wrap or whatever, it will be reported. Uh, since we can't confirm it, we can't report it because we try to be at least somewhat professional. But uh, take what you see on social media and go with it from there as you please. Jaquavius Marks, uh, he'd rolled an ankle yesterday, got tangled up in a tackle, and he was helped off the field, but he was putting a lot of his own weight on it as well, so I think he should be okay. Cornerback Emmanuel Forbes was uh, sidelined briefly during Thursday's practice, but he was back working out Friday, if not scrimmaging, and nor did he scrimmage yesterday afternoon. Now, the message board's themes this coming week almost surely is going to be that if Mississippi State can't beat Memphis with the backups at those spots, etc., and so on. I would refer to last year's results in Memphis, but, you know, so much about that loss was fluky. I don't think it really applies now, other than perhaps the desire for the team to make a point, i.e. score a lot of points in the rematch. Well, we'll get to that in just a moment. First, let's talk about our sponsor, Bet Online. The fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find the reviews and the news for every league. That includes Major League Baseball, which is uh, the pennant races are heating up, or maybe your favorite team is out of there. Sorry, Red Sox fans. And I think the Yankees gone into the tank lately as well. Uh, National Football League, preseason underway there as well. Congratulations to all the Bulldogs who are fighting for their place on rosters. The NBA, National Hockey League, combat sports, esports, even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in game betting, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join up today and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BLEAV50, that's capital B L E A V 50, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game begins. Now, where does the Mississippi State game begin? Well, classes began this past Wednesday, and it's kind of hard to remember that sometimes they are student-athletes after all. Though with NIL chipping, no, make that chopping away at the image, and the growing drumbeat for football to take its leave and ball away from NCAA management, it's worth wondering how long players will be required to be even students. Surprised? Don't be. I want to delve into that developing topic in another show, maybe later this week, since practice coverage itself is about to be reduced, and I had a chance to talk to an MSU administrator about where things are headed with that. Also, um, maybe some talk about the future SEC scheduling. For now, let's talk about the scrimmage yesterday. All right. I mentioned that uh, it was a better day for the offense. It was also a shorter day. It was cut short at both ends, in fact. 
It was supposed to start about 1 o'clock. Well, the first 45 or so minutes were simply practicing, and all those who got to watch now have a pretty clear idea of what a normal dog's working day is like. This Then after you had an hour of real scrimmaging, uh, just as the three-team cycle was to start over a third time, lightning popped again within the 10-mile range, and off to Palmero we went to finish things up. So what about it? Yeah, I've mentioned several times the offense had a good Saturday. Not great, but good, and at times very good. And let me state here and now, doing any kind of good against this Bulldog defense is very good news. More touchdowns. Seven of them, in fact, out of our six turns, if you will. Uh, You who studied last week's report or looked at the play-by-play posted yesterday. You're welcome, by the way. I thought my computer was going to overheat there during about the uh, 30-minute mark in the stands from the direct sunlight. Uh, Understand, those were not true series or drives. Whether first downs were made or not, the ball would be respotted according to a down-and-distance script kept by the coaches. Situational, in a word. Regardless, the offenses, and I stress offenses, first and second, even third for that matter, were much more productive and even at times efficient in stretches against a darn salty defense. I include the second defense in that assessment, by the way. And those defenses were not taking it easy on anyone. They came to play. In fact, they are ready to play right now. And with a depth I wasn't all that sure about in April. They're in game shape already. They just have to wait two weeks to get a chance to do it to somebody else. Yes, that question will come up. Are you ready to hit somebody else? They're ready to hit anybody, anything that moves from what I've seen so far. Now, last week I commented after the first scrimmage that uh, the lack of touchdowns wasn't a big worry, but lack of first downs was. This was much improved the second time around, and legitimately so. I mentioned that the ball does get responded. Well, sometimes that meant moving the ball back because gains have been made further than the designated distance according to that script. Not a lot, Still not as many first downs as I would like to have seen because the error rate is so dependent on moving the ball, moving the chains, and keeping the defense on the field and wearing them down. That does also reflect my other concern, and it remains. Both the top two quarterbacks just aren't that much over 50% completions in the two scrimmages, and an error rate requires something like 65-70% accuracy to function. So we're left right now hoping this again reflects the quality of the defense, never mind their familiarity with the offensive plays, and that the passing rate will rocket up in real games. Fingers crossed, toes do for that matter. So what about the quarterbacks? Well, there's no need to announce a starter. Any thought that Will Rogers was going to be challenged ended a couple of days into camp. Now, Sawyer Robertson has been getting more first-team turns during practices this past week, and that's simply, obviously, to tune him up for the soon-to-come first college snap, hopefully in mop-up duties on Scott Field on the opening weekend, I mean. You'd love to see him trot out there maybe as early as the third quarter, certainly fourth, just to finish off a state victory and show what he can do as a red shirt. But this is Will Rogers' show. This is Will Rogers' offense. This may, in fact, even be Will Rogers' team. Uh, all the indications we get about his leadership, his acceptance from the squad, and the fact that they're counting on him to run this offense and to produce. Now, this past week, they also ran him a good bit with the second offense. That's not a demotion at all. 
I can I can only imagine somebody who just dropped by price said, what the heck's going on? Number two is with the number twos. Well, anyone who watched any length of time knows what was happening. This was to develop the second offense, especially running against the first defensive team. Give those guys the confidence they need by making plays, and you've got them better positioned to be backups. And as we saw this week with some guys going down or going out or sideline briefly, you better have some depth there. Uh, yesterday, Jaquavius Marks being an example. We got, like I said, twisted up in a pileup. Boy, was he running hard, just like he did a previous week. Well, so was uh, Dylan Johnson. And now Simeon Price has emerged, to my eyes, the clear number three. Uh, we, we love the potential Bull Hargrove brings, uh, the speediest guy on the offensive side, certainly running back, maybe overall. But he's been a little bit limited by injuries. I say a little bit. He's wearing the yellow jersey, but they haven't hesitated to put him out there in the contact practices. Not scrimmaging, but contact practices. And he's taken some shots and bounced up and gone right back at it. So good to see him on that pace. But frankly, Simeon Price, he's the number three. He may, in fact, be as good as either the first and second guys. He has been that impressive so far in scrimmaging in the camp. So whatever the status marks is going to the week, I do think he'll be okay. He's got two weeks to heal, but you don't have to rush him back out there. You've got Johnson. You've got Price. You feel pretty good about the running back position. Wide receivers, they've been healthy all week, and they've been making plays. It's, it's really hard to get a grip on who will be the first eight. Okay, we could name six of them easily right now. But the competition for that seventh, eighth, and the reserves, 9, 10, 11 or so, that uh, Coach Steve Spurrier will take into the first active game, non-conference game, so you have a little more liberty to expand the roster. That's a question, and for darn good reason, because these are some darn good receivers. The competition has been that good. I'll give you an example. During one of these scrimmage days this past week on the practice fields, uh, Jordan Mosley and Justin Robinson practically vanished from the rotation. That's not because they weren't playing well. It's because other guys were playing well and playing better. Now, by the scrimmage, those two were back in there, so I'm, I'm just using them as examples. Don't take that as a sign of demotion or anything. We know that they're going to be in that eight-man mix, and Mosley, I think, has had one of the best camps uh, of anybody, maybe in a low-key way. Uh, a guy like uh, Rufus Harvey, he's had a great camp in a spectacular way because when he catches the ball, it just seems to be an exciting play every time. The kid just makes things happen out there. By contrast, guys like Caleb Ducking and Rara Thomas, uh, Jaden Wally, Tulu Griffin, they seem almost routine when they catch the ball, nothing particularly exciting until you see the fact that they're doing it 5 and 10 yards farther downfield than they were catching passes last year, even in practices. And this, again, against a pretty good defense. So I like what I've seen about the receivers this past week. I think they're also getting very close to game ready. And the drops they had in the first scrimmage, they were not evident yesterday. They were hanging onto the ball, even under physical conditions. Very positive. Offensive line, well, to my eye, there are seven sure and possibly eight linemen who can be counted on, judging by the practice rotations. The question, as I mentioned, is right guard, and that relates to right tackle because a week or so ago they flipped right tackle Albert Reese, who'd run there in spring and probably should have started the position last season, and moved him into right guard and put uh, Cameron Jones out there at the right tackle position, which he's holding down quite nicely so far. 
It's hard to say if Cole Smith has been outplaying Reese. Uh, Coach Mason Miller talked to media. You can still find that on genespage.com right now about what's happening at that position. I don't think he has settled in his own mind who will be the starter in week one. I'm not even sure he thinks it matters that much who will be the starter in week one because he's got at least two guys in Reese and Smith that he feels confident. And of course, Young can always flip back to the guard position and Reese return to right tackle, which he ran exclusively with the second team when they would go out there. So he's getting plenty of practice snaps at both positions. Left tackle hasn't changed. Uh, Dollar Bill Johnson still consistency may remain his issues, and he had a one uh, red zone offsides procedure play that earned him uh, some push-ups post-practice on Friday. So still, I don't think that's changed. Center, you're, it's good to see Steven Lazoya getting a lot of snaps with the first unit because you know LeQuinston Sharp's a proven factor. Uh, Nick Jones at left guard. I think the line is reasonably settled in those aspects. It's just a matter now of can you get past the 7 or 8 line. 8 is pretty much the baseline to go into September. Then you hope to develop those ninth and 10th guys because you're going to carry them anyway on road trips. You just hope you don't need them. You want a chance to play them. You just hope you don't need them. And so far, the offensive line has stayed injury-free. Fingers, and again, toes crossed. Defensive line, not quite the same because uh, Cromedy is a concern for sure. Yet even if he is held out, you know, say something requires him to be casted up for a couple of weeks, well, I feel darn good about Nathan Pickering stepping back into the lineup, but it's not just he. There are two solid rotations ready for kickoff, and that's without Cromedy right now. There's even some developing depth right behind them that are ready to play as well. I don't know why I was so concerned about the D-line back in April. That is a loaded group right now. And some of it's still kind of unproven in real games, and you're counting on guys, too, who haven't gotten a ton of snaps. But when you have a chance to alternate either DeMonte Russell or Jordan Davis at that outside tackle position, that is a win either way you go. Uh, Pickering has raised his game to my on camp and we were asking some offensive players who their MVP on the defense is. Everyone said Cameron Young. When, when the nose guard is the guy you feel like is your leading player, best player, key to it all, you feel darn good about the rest of the defense. Feeling much better about the linebacker depth too. Okay, maybe the numbers still aren't up to classic Mississippi State standards, but I think there's a solid two-deep rotation there. Oh, of course, Jet Johnson and Nate Watson, you can't get more known than that. Is your inside backers, Tyre Sweet outside. Now you have some guys like Sherman Timms who, and John Lewis, although he was dinged up some this week. But you're also seeing some second- and third-team guys getting more snaps this past week, and not just because they need to be uh, further practice and develop, but because they're pushing to play. I think State's in a good position there. And I like what they're doing with the linebackers as well, the outside linebackers, I mean. Uh, sometimes they'll slide Jet outside just far enough that you can put a guy like Tim's inside and try to crash maybe the one of the three gaps there and create all kind of pass-blocking decisions by the offensive side. Safeties, well, I commented last week this may be the most improved group, certainly on the defense, maybe on the entire team. It is. But it's gotten more fun this past week because now, is Jalen Green going to keep his starting job or is Corey Ellington about to take it away? I think it's too close to call, and 
to be frank, too, Ellington kind of hurt himself in Thursday's practice. He had a meltdown emotionally in goal line to the point that uh, safety Colin Duncan yelled at him to get off the field because he was distracting things, and Green rushed back out there to, to the spot with the first defense. But Ellington can play. He's a headhunter. Um, I'm concerned that he uh, will inherit the mantle maybe by uh, the much-missed John Abram as being a likely 15-yard penalty at least once a month, maybe once a week. But boy, does he go after receivers hard. You feel like, though, with Jackie Matthews, Duncan, and either Green or Ellington, your first rotation strong. I mentioned Dylan Lawrence as a second group, Sean Preston. Then you alternated the Green or Ellington. You're too deep at the safeties position and feeling good about it as well. Cornerbacks, uh, the minor setback to Forbes, and it should be minor. It was an opportunity to get a fifth corner in the rotation competition. Uh, of course, right now, DeCamarian Richardson has been edging out Alabama transfer Marcus Banks for the number one job at the other corner with Forbes is out. Then both those guys will be the first team, but I don't expect Forbes to be out any length of time. And I want to apologize right now because in so many of our practice reports on touchdown plays, we've made it sound like Asaius Furge is having a terrible camp. He's not. He's been playing well. He's certainly in the two deep right now. He'd be uh, your second corner on the side behind Forbes at this moment. He's just had the bad luck to be stuck at the wrong end trying to cover uh, somebody that got missed. The safety wouldn't pick it up, uh, especially some plays like Darara Thomas and Rufus Harvey this past week in indoors practicing. No, Furge is a fine player. He's just a victim of the club going after him because of what they think of the other cornerbacks. And now guess what? Here comes to Carlos Nicholson making a late camp charge. He's very much in that rotation as well. So I talked about how good this defense is right now. They're good. They could be very good. They may even be a great defense before all is said and done. But the key to being a great defense is having a good offense to get you off the field and let you make plays put points on the board, and make the other offense take gambles and chances, the old Bob Shoop philosophy. <sighs> what about the offense? Okay, my summary right now. I'm, I'm not ready to make my predictions. That will come next weekend. I'm still hedging in this direction. I went to a dinner this past week and was asked by some other media members who cover Mississippi State regularly for a snapshot opinion. I said, well, right now, to my eye, and against this schedule, we, we have to put everything in context of this schedule. Right now, I'd say we have a nine-win defense and a six-and-a-half to seven-win offense. What does that average out to? Probably eight. Uh, that's not my prediction. Again, that'll come next week, but that's just, to my eye, what we have. Oh, place kicking. Well, a week ago, not so good. Yesterday, Far improved. Massimo Biscardi was booming him right through from 41, 42 yards. Yes, that should be automatic in the college game, but it wasn't automatic a week ago. And at times in practices, it hasn't been automatic either. So to do it at the big stadium on another day, this was improvement by Biscardi. Uh, ben Raven still seems to have better range, maybe not quite the same accuracy. So I think that still remains a competition. Oh, I haven't talked hardly at all about special teams, but that finally has been practiced some. And as I said on the radio show, they asked, well, why is Austin Williams fielding punts? No, actually, they said, why is Austin Williams returning punts? I said, because punts aren't returned anymore, very rarely. 
Your priority is have a guy who's going to catch the punt because coverages are so good these days and hang time is so much better. Austin Williams is doing that, but Xavier Thomas, he's your other guy. And if something were to break open, Thomas has the flash and the flare to get it done. He's also working in kickoff return, although goodness knows. I mean, number five, Tulu Griffin, that's your dog on the kickoff return team with either Dylan Johnson or Simeon Price as your blocking back, and if it's a short kickoff, to return it themselves. And that's a quick snapshot of special teams. Much better yesterday. Haven't seen a whole lot from the punting um, other than I'm not sold on this rugby-style punting thing. I've seen some shanks already. Okay, enough criticism. Just just let Archer Trafford go out there and boom the ball and cover it. All right, now I got derailed, and I do that quite often here. Summary again, offense, a better scrimmage, game ready. Mm, hard to say at this point. Defense, definitely game ready. Kicking, 50-50 right now. But that's why you've got the week before the week. This is the week that they narrow down the roster, devote all the practice snaps to the guys who are going to play, um, let your third team and reserves have their own special sessions at the end of practice or maybe in the evenings. We won't know because we won't be able to watch, but we'll certainly be asking questions once availabilities are set. Uh, we should have an interview schedule up sometime later today for the week. And then it's the week, game week. A week from today, Mississippi State goes into full game time installation and planning. Well, they'll be doing some of that this week already anyway, but you get the idea. So, what do we say? Well, try to relax, try to enjoy this week, but start looking forward to a new week and a new season of Bulldog football, which we'll be talking about here in the Doghouse on the Believe Network, brought to you by Bet Online, where the game starts. And as noted, you can find the Doghouse also on Believe Radio and Believe Football. That's B-L-E-A-V, Radio and Football. Check us out. Enjoy us. Uh, comment. Uh, you can respond on jeanspage.com. Suggestions for how we can improve the show or uh, what you want to hear us talk about in coming days. So that's our report for this Sunday. And we thank you for tuning in to another edition of the Doghouse here on the Believe Network. This is your host, David Murray. Be talking to you more often because it's the week before the week. <laughs>